Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Until last night, I had not heard that song that we just sang. Um, I mean, I'd heard the part of it that it is well with my soul part since I was in my mother's womb. I think we sang that back in those days. But the other part I hadn't heard, and it really impacted me. And uh, one of the things that I was thinking as we sang, and I always think about the words because, you know, words is what I do. I'm not really the music guy. Um, soul. What is the soul? I mean, the Bible says we have a spirit and a soul and a body, and the soul is the seat of the mind, the emotions, and the will. And, and so the question is, how can it be well with our soul no matter what. I was thinking about that last night and today again as, as I was reflecting on that as well with my soul. Just in my own life, when I was a young man, uh, Nancy and I had been married for nine years. We had been trying to have a child and for about seven of those years and could not. And then she got pregnant and we were going to have a baby and it was pretty cool. And then she didn't because we had a miscarriage. And it was tough to have it be well with your soul in that kind of situation. And then... Uh, couple years after that, when we had a little baby, eight months old, we moved from Ohio back to Pennsylvania. We'd been away from home for nine years and in New Jersey and Ohio. And now we were coming back and we were going to be two hours from my mom and dad and one hour from Nancy's mom and dad. It was going to be great. And then three days before that move, my dad called and told me that my mother had had a stroke. And then about an hour that, after that, she died. And so how, how could that be well with your soul? You know, in that situation, it, it just didn't seem possible. And just last night, a guy came in, first time I'd ever been at New Life, and he said, been married 16 years, and my wife told me she wants a divorce. So how can it be well with our soul? The answer is because what happens around us doesn't determine what happens in us. And, and, and our soul was in us. And so how we respond to those terrible things, and they are terrible things. Nobody will make a, a miscarriage or, a, you know, your mother dying or a, a marriage ending. Those are not good things. But how we respond to them is determined by our worldview. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that in this world there is an ultimate force of good known as God. He's the creator of everything that exists. And uh, there is an inferior but powerful force of evil known as the devil, who, as I said, has already been defeated. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus crushed his head. But this battle, this spiritual battle has been going on since Adam and Eve turned against God in the garden. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But, but this, this message is titled Engage the War. We're in this series, Engage Your Life was the first week, and then engage your work. And then last week, Pastor Mark Geppert engaged the Holy Spirit, and today's engaged the war. And what we said is we were created to participate in God's redemptive plan on the planet. And the truth of the matter is Adam and Eve didn't have to participate in that plan if they would have just done what they were created to be and do, and that was to be perfect. But since they created sin by their action, and the response has been from God to redeem us. That's to purchase us out from sin and death. We're to participate in God's redemptive plan by first trusting Jesus, Savior, and Lord ourselves, and then sharing that plan with everybody who will listen so that their worldview can go from a hopeless worldview because basically the other worldviews in the world are hopeless, especially the one that's prevalent in this culture, which is a you know, humanistic worldview that basically says we're the center of everything. God help us if that's true, that we're the center of everything. 
But that's what we're taught in public schools and have been taught since I was going to school. You know, that there really isn't a God and there really, it just all happened by accident. And somehow the accident occurred. And, you know, we started out as single-celled animals and we moved on up to where we are today. And, and, and when we die, that's it. But there's a very different picture painted in this book called the Bible, which we call the Word of God. And in this book, we're told that there is an ultimate purpose for our lives. And that purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And there is an ultimate purpose plan in place, which is to redeem humanity from sin and death, but there is an enemy. And the interesting thing is in our day, about 65% of Americans now say that they don't believe there is an enemy. They don't believe the devil exists. It's pretty tough to conquer an enemy you don't believe exists. It's pretty tough to, to take seriously an enemy that you don't believe exists. So today we're going to talk about spiritual warfare, and let's look at today's take-home point and for those of you who are new, the take-home point is the one point that I'm going to make today. Uh, I wanted to make about 20 other ones, but we're just going to make one, okay? Uh, and, and that point is, and we hope that you'll take it home and, and live it out this week. It's very simple. We must engage spiritual war with spiritual armor and weapons. If there is indeed a spiritual battle going on, then it makes sense that you would have to use spiritual armor and spiritual weapons to fight it. Now, we were created, I should say, men were created as warriors by God. The man, Adam, was created as a warrior, and the, the, the woman, Eve, was created as a nurturer. And that's, that's a broad, general stroke statement, but that's the way God created men and women. Men think about war more often than women. And when, I'm not talking about hand-to-hand -hand combat here right now. I'm not talking about some video game. I, I'm talking about the warfare that eternally matters, which is spiritual warfare, now, there is physical warfare that's necessary in an evil age because evil has to be stopped at some point. But, but the truth of the matter is, if we stopped all the physical evil in the world, it would still, the battle wouldn't be over because the devil is still at work. And it's the spiritual war that it has been won, but the battles and skirmishes are still going on until Jesus returns that we want to talk about today. Now, let's think about Adam and Eve for a minute. Adam, as I said, was created as a warrior, Eve as a nurturer, and they were together in a perfect world, and they were supposed to be in perfect relationship with God. They were forever, though, but they didn't. And, and so the thing that they didn't realize is there was already a spiritual war going on. You see, Adam and Eve were not ready for the war because they didn't believe it existed. What, what they didn't understand was that the devil had already come into existence. You see, he was created as an angel. Lucifer means light. And, and he was the chief angel. But he didn't like being the chief angel. He wanted to be God. That's always where sin comes in when we want to be God. And so Lucifer rebelled against God, and a third of the angels decided that, they, he, that Lucifer was a better ruler than God, and so they all waged war against God and his angels, and they were cast down to the earth. And that's, that's what we're told in the Bible. And that's what I believe. And, and you may or may not believe that, but if you believe that, and it doesn't really matter if we believe it, if it's true, right? It doesn't matter what we believe. It matters what's true. If it's the truth, then right now, this is the realm where the devil works on the earth. And the one thing the devil wants to do is hurt us because God loves us. And, and the devil wants to hurt what God loves. And, and so he came to Adam and Eve who were unaware that there was a spiritual war going on. And so they weren't ready for it. But the devil is a shrewd, shrewd operator. In fact, he has a lot of strategies. And so when he came, he attacked the woman, not the warrior, the nurturer. 
but with a simple question. And he said, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? And she said, oh, we're allowed to eat from any tree in the garden, but this one, if we eat from it or even touch it, we're going to die. And the devil told a lie. <laughs> Not unusual. That's what the devil does. But it sounded sort of true. It was a half-truth. He said, you won't die. You won't die. And so Eve ate the fruit. In fact, this is what we were told in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It says, the woman was convinced the woman was convinced. Now, here's the thing. When I was a little kid, and actually to a young adult, maybe even a middle-aged adult, I believe that Adam surely must have been on the other side of the garden because he would not have let the serpent, you know, talk to his wife like that. He must have been somewhere else, but that's not what it says. We're going to see it as we read it. It says, the woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. You see, they had armor. God had given it to them. It was the truth. But they decided not to use it. They had a weapon, which once again was God's truth, God's love. But, but they chose not to use it. They chose to listen to the deceiver. And so sin came into the world. And the result was devastation. Because Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, and God killed some animals and made fur uh, coats, clothing for them. So there was death brought into the world because of sin. And then there was this enmity between the man and the woman, and there, that has been going on ever since. And when they had children, the first two brothers, one killed the other one. And there's been war and fighting going on ever since. And here's the thing we have to understand. The devil always always seeks to deceive us. He always seeks to lure us in and trap us in sin. And if we're not aware, if we aren't wearing the armor, if we aren't bearing the weapons that God has given us, we will fall the same way that Adam and Eve fell. And we have a disadvantage because they started out perfect and we didn't start out perfect. In fact, in the book of Colossians, Paul says that we were all once enemies of God. Because of what our ancestors did, we started out that way. And the reality of what Adam did he sinned. Eve sinned, Adam sinned, and then God came. And he said, what's going on here? Adam, did you eat that fruit I said not, not to eat? And the interesting thing is, instead of standing up like a warrior, which he was created to be, he stood like a coward. And here's what he said. He said, it was the woman, her fault, that you, your fault, gave me, and, and I ate it. You see, it's not my fault, God, and that's the way it is with us. We blame somebody else. It's never our fault. When we sin, not my fault. And that's part of the spiritual war we're engaged in because truth is part of the armor. We're going to see that in a moment. Truth is part of the armor that we wear. And when we don't know the truth, we fall for lies. And, and we engage in lies. And when we do that, the spiritual side called satanic is the one that wins. This is a very serious thing. And, and, you know, so many people in our day, the educated people, and, and I put quotes there because, you know, all of us have some kind of education, right? I have a, a lot. In fact, somebody came out after church today and said, should I call you Dr. Marshall? I said, not unless you don't really like me very much. You know, Pastor Chris is just fine, or Chris, whatever. You know, I mean, doctor's not a bad title, but I mean, the point is I'm educated. But educated people today, educated people today say it's foolish to believe in God. It's foolish to believe that there's a devil. It's foolish to believe that there's good and evil. But they don't exist. There's, there's nothing. There's just chemical responses and electrical responses, and that's what happens. Then we die. 
And the devil has done a very, very good job of deceiving and lying to us. And that's where we stand in this day and age. So every time that you and I engage in this spiritual battle and we operate out of the armor and the weaponry of God, the spiritual armor and weaponry he gives us, we drive back the devil. I want you to understand something. The devil has to flee when we resist him. The book of James tells us that humble yourselves, draw near to God, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. That's run. <laughs> because the devil has no power but what we give him. He, his, his power, his authority is delegated authority. It's not the ultimate authority. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And we did this just a few weeks ago. Pastor Brad, in the last message in the series, Sit, Walk, Stand, our summer series about the letter to the Ephesians, he preached from Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Same thing I'm going to do right now. And if you missed that, it was a great message, and I'd encourage you to watch it. Watch all of the messages because, uh, as we said over the summer, we are called to sit with Christ in the heavenlies. That's our position with Jesus Christ. We're supposed to walk in his ways or his truth, and we're supposed to stand against or resist the enemy, the devil. And so what Paul says in verse 10 of chapter 6 is, final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. God is a mighty God. And we have forgotten that. For the most part in America, we have forgotten that our God is a mighty God. We think of God as sort of this old, doddering, you know, bumbling kind of person sitting in a wheelchair going, oh, I love all you people. That's how we view God so many times. And God is love. He is. I mean, John told us that God is love. But God is also the almighty creator of the universe. He created everything that we can see, a lot of stuff we can't see, out of nothing. Nobody else can do that. That's power. He, he, he raised dead people back to life. He gives us his spirit, which we also cannot see, to live in us and give us power. So we are supposed to remember, final thing, before we even talk about this spiritual battle, we're already winners. That's what he's saying. God's power is with us and in us, and we need to live it out. Then Paul wrote, put on all of God's armor so you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. The devil is a strategic general over his army, the demons. And, and he's so good at what he does that he's convinced us that he's a myth. He's a joke. He's a guy that wears a red suit and has a pointed tail pitchfork. Not somebody to be afraid of. Not somebody who's so insidious in his evil that it, 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 it will just get into our lives without us even really having to do much of anything except just breathe. And he will, he will work in our lives. The devil is a strategist. And so we are supposed to be strategic as well. The first thing we're supposed to do is put on our armor, the armor of God. And, and the devil always, always, always seeks to divide us. He seeks to deceive us. He seeks to isolate us. Because he knows when we're alone, we're weak. He knows when we're divided, we're weak. And, and he knows when he deceives us, Often, we will listen to the half-truth that's in his deception, which allows us to fall for the full lie that it really is. And, and so those are the kind of strategies, strategies that the devil uses. And I want to say something real quickly about this idea of isolation. We live in an isolated culture. You know, we're all plugged in, but we're all, you know, talking to people that are our friends that we never met. But we don't spend a lot of time with our friends that we do know. Real flesh and blood human beings, you know? And, and so we're supposed to be together. In fact, there are 30 plus verses 
in the New Testament called the one another verses. Love one another, pray for one another, be kind to one another, um, forgive one another as God and Jesus Christ forgave us. One another assumes what? There's another. So we are supposed to one another, each other. And I want to sort of give a brief advertisement for the small group ministry that's launching this week. And I'm going to say more about that during the announcements. But a way that we can be together is through small groups. And so if you haven't signed up for one, I would encourage you to do that because it's a way that we can overcome the devil. This is a great thing for us to gather and worship and praise God and glorify him, receive information that we can take out and live out in the week ahead. But this particular time isn't conducive to community, to unity. Because, because we can't talk back and forth with each other. If we did, then we'd really be here for a long time, right? So small groups are a way that we can overcome the devil. Next, Paul says, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Pastor Brad pointed out something that's very important. The demons have names in the Greek. It's Arcus, Exousius, Cosmocraterus, Ponerios, and he talked about those things. I'm just simply going to say, these forces try to get us to believe we don't have the right to be anywhere because the devil was here first. He was not. God was here first. Tries to get us to say we don't have the right to speak. You can't talk about God in school. Yes, you can. There might be consequences for doing it, but you could talk about God anywhere until they stop you. Right? And Cosmocraterus says that you're supposed to use people to get things. No, no, no. We're supposed to use things to gain people for the kingdom of God. And finally, Ponerios is just a spirit of malice and murder. And we see that all over the place in cultures all over the world. But we see it every day in our culture. You turn on the news and somebody else killed somebody else, right? The spirit of murder. So Paul says when we're engaging these things, we're not engaging flesh and blood. Interesting. The, the war is not against flesh and blood. It, it's, it's not me. Like, if you think I'm your enemy, I'm not your enemy because I'm flesh and blood. If you think your spouse is your enemy, he or she's not your enemy. Your children aren't your enemy. Your parents aren't your enemy. Your boss, your teacher. No human being is your enemy, although the devil will use people as your enemy. You see, when somebody's against you, it, it's some, some force of evil. Now, am I saying that every person that's ever been against you is demon-possessed? Not at all. Some of them might have been. In fact, when people do heinous acts, I believe that there's some demonic force involved, if not in the person, involved in the person's life. But James gives us some very important information about where sin can come from, besides from the devil. It comes from our own soul, if you will. It says this, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. You see, we don't really need the devil to make us do it. Sometimes we just have that wickedness right inside of us. And think about it. Eve in the garden, Eve was perfect. Adam and Eve were perfect when the serpent came and started asking questions and deceiving them. And Eve wasn't demon-possessed. Eve was perfect. And yet she fell into sin. So we don't need the devil's help to come into sin. We can do it just of our own self-deception. God doesn't want us to be deceived either by the devil or by ourselves. But God will permit that to happen if we don't avail ourselves of the spiritual armor and the spiritual weaponry that he provides for us so freely. So let's look at what Paul says next. He says, therefore... 
Put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows, fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. So Paul did something really cool. He gave an object lesson. The object lesson was a Roman soldier. And everywhere the Ephesians went, there were Roman soldiers. They were standing on the street corners. They were all over the place. And when a Christian who was an Ephesian walked around in their city, they would see a Roman soldier and they'd go, oh, there's that belt, that, belt, that leather belt. They, that's truth. I need to wear the belt of truth so that I can stand against the devil's lies, right? And, and then they would see this breastplate that would protect what? The heart of the Roman soldier. And they would say, in order for me to have my heart protected, I need to live rightly. I need to have a right relationship with God. That's what righteousness actually is. It's right living because of a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And then the shoes. And Roman soldiers didn't just wear, you know, sandals. They, they actually wore a heavier shoe that protected their feet. And, and Paul says that this is the good news, the gospel of peace. And the good news is this redemptive work, and we're supposed to be participating in the redemptive work of God on the planet, right? And so every time they would see a Roman soldier and look at the shoes, they'd say, oh, I need to tell somebody about Jesus. And then the next thing was the shield. And there were two shields that the Roman soldiers had, but the bigger shield they usually carried over their back, and that bigger shield could actually, if a fiery dart or arrow, I mean an arrow they had like, you know, a tar that was caught on fire, it would come into it. And some of them had leather on it. We sort of put the thing out. Some of them were wood. I imagine that wasn't so good for putting fire out. But anyway, it stopped them. And that's faith. And that's what faith does. When the devil attacks us, because the devil does attack us, our faith in Jesus Christ stops the attack. And then the helmet. We talk a lot about helmets these days, you know. Can helmets prevent concussions? You know, should we wear helmets when we ride a motorcycle? But one thing we know about a helmet if we have a helmet on, our heads, our brains, our control centers are better protected than if we don't. And what we need to understand, and this is, I'm actually going to have Lucy put up on screen. If you all don't know Lucy, she's running Pro Presenter this weekend, and I'm making it really hard for her because I'm not hardly saying anything that I've no, like written down. It's not in the right order and everything because God's sort of been you know, telling me some different things. So just pat her on the back and say, great job, Lucy. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, I want you to see this. When the devil attempts to deceive us into thinking, there you go, look at that right there, either that we must be more religious in order to gain God's favor or that we can never be good enough because we are such horrendous sinners, we must simply remember it isn't what we do that saves us but what Jesus has already done. The helmet of salvation is a gift, as are all the other pieces of armor. They're gifts. We don't earn them. There's nothing that we can do today that's going to make God love us more than he loved us when we were in bed this morning sleeping because God loves us infinitely. And there's nothing that we can do that's going to make God love us less because God loves us infinitely. So if any of you are sitting there today and thinking, I'm so horrible, I'm so evil, I'm already on Satan's side, there's nothing I can do to ever deserve to be a child of God. You're right about one thing. There's nothing you can ever do to deserve it. But it's a gift. We don't deserve gifts. You know, on Christmas morning, when you wake up, some people think they deserve their Christmas gift, you know, and, and sort of, never mind, I almost said something I shouldn't have said. I'll just stop there. Okay, we've been led to believe that by being good, we might get better presents, right? That's not the truth when it comes to God. When it comes to God, we don't get better presents when we're good. 
When it comes to God, when we are evil and recognize it and say to God, please forgive me, he does. Remember the thief that was on the cross beside Jesus? He said, he acknowledged, I deserve to die. I'm a sinner. And then he said to Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, today, he forgave him right there on the spot. You'll be with me in paradise. And so no matter how bad we are, God is good enough because he's the only one good enough to cancel out our sin. Now, on the other hand, this is even harder, I think, when you think you're good. When I think I'm good, and I'm already good enough, I don't need, man, I'm better than most people, and it's easy to be better than most people these days, right? So if I'm better than most people, then maybe I just take another couple steps, and I'll get there on my own. That's a lie, too. It's from the devil. It's from the devil, because there's only one thing that saves us, Jesus Christ, because there's no one good, not even one. And so what we have to remember is all this armor is a gift from God, and we must wear it. And here's the thing. I have some people who tell me, I get up every morning, and I put on the armor, you know, one piece at a time. And I say, I never take it off. Because I might wake up in the middle of the night, and the devil might be there. I don't want to be without my armor in the middle of the night. It's only... It's, a, it's an image. It's a spiritual reality. It's not a physical reality. So I don't have to like get my breastplate and put it on. But I understand what they're saying. What they're saying is I intentionally gear up for the day. That's a good thing. But don't ever stop being geared up for the war. You see, because the war is going on all around us all the time. And if we don't understand God's goodness in our lives, we will believe the lies there's no God, or there's this kind of a God, or we're going to come back 160,000 times, or whatever. And the truth of the matter is, this God has a plan that's perfect. And we screwed up the perfect plan, but he still loves us and redeems us and gives us a new life. And then now finally, Paul gets to the armor, or I'm sorry, the weapons. Actually, there's only one real weapon. He says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the Word of God, the Bible. And Paul says, this is the sword. This is the thing with which we attack the devil. Now, here's a question I have for you. If you were going to fight somebody who had a real sword, and you had a real sword, would you want to know how to use your real sword? <laughs> I mean, if somebody's coming at you with a real sword and you had a real sword, and that was the only way you could defend yourself, would you want to know how to use that real sword? Huh, yes, I would. I, I'm pretty sure winner takes all in the sword fight, right? So if this is my sword, and the devil's coming at me with his lies, and the sword of the Spirit is the word of God, then when the devil lies to me, I come back with the truth, because I know the truth, and Jesus said the truth will set me free. You come with the truth, and the truth sets you free. And, and here's the thing. We live in a culture that is feeding us so many lies. And, and the biggest lie of all, it's just a general purpose lie. And the general purpose lie that we have in our culture is, don't you think we should all let people do what they want to do that makes them feel good? Don't, don't you think that it's okay for two people to love each other? Hey, if they're married to somebody else, it doesn't matter. Hey, if they're, you know, two people of the same sex, it doesn't matter. Don't you think we should just let them, you know, if they want to use all the drugs they want, why shouldn't we, what, what does it hurt us? Shouldn't we just let people be happy? No. The answer to that question is no. Because God knows short-term happiness usually is long-term hell. Short-term happiness. L let me just use, this is a simple thing, not a big thing. Okay, this week, 
I lost two pounds. I'm pretty excited because I gained all those pounds back that I lost before, you know. And I told you a few weeks back when we were talking about, you know, engaging our lives, that this fall that I'm engaging every aspect of my life. And so here's the thing. You know how I lost two pounds? I drank green smoothies. Green smoothies, the basic thing of green smoothie is kale, okay? I don't know if you ever tasted kale. It doesn't taste good no matter how you fix it. Even if you put pineapples and mangoes in it, still doesn't taste good, right? But I lost two pounds. Now, if I would take my mangoes and my pineapples and I would put a little, you know, cake on top and a little icing and a little whipped cream, it would taste so much better, right? But the long-term outcome of that would not be two pounds loss. It would be, I don't know how many pounds gained, right? And ultimately, God can use me whether I weigh 300 pounds or whether I weigh 180 pounds. But this is what I know. I know that I'm more effective as a tool for God in his army. I'm a more effective warrior when I'm in good condition than when I'm in bad condition. And if I believe the lie that this short-term thing that I'm going to do with food is the best thing for me, then I'll end up not in the best condition. And that goes for every other substance and every other relationship because God has ordered our lives in a certain way to be blessed. In the foundation principle of creation, God said, let a man and woman leave their father and mother, cling to their wife, let the two become one flesh. That's the plan. And when we go outside of that plan, it doesn't work as effectively as when we do. The only other option that God gives us is to be celibate in our singleness. Those are the two viable options that God gives us. And you say, well, Chris, that's not realistic. Yes, it's very realistic because it's God's plan. You see, when I say, when you say, Chris, that's not realistic, you know who's talking? The devil. The devil lies to us. What's not realistic about doing what God wants us to do? What's not realistic about not doing what God wants us to do is that it will not make us happy in the short run. But how about this? It will make us happy for eternity. Eternity is a lot longer than this life. I haven't experienced eternity yet, but I have an idea that it's very, very long. And this life, comparatively, is very, very short. So we can listen to God or we can listen to the devil. So we have the sword of the Spirit. The only way we're going to be able to use it is if we learn what's in it. Because that would be the same as practicing swordsmanship against a physical sword. The, the, the way we work against the devil is by learning the truth so that when some person tells us some crazy thing, you know, that's, that could be even an evil thing, we can say, um, excuse me, but that's not the truth. And, and with all due respect, I can't go that direction just because you think it'll make me feel good in the short run. Because in the long run, I want to be with God forever. And then the last thing Paul says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. So Paul says two things about prayer. He says we're supposed to pray for each other. He actually asks, pray for me. And I know there are some of you here who pray for me every day. And I, I, I so appreciate that. Because this battle that we're engaged in is very, very difficult. Uh, and, and we've already won the war, but the battles can be very hard. And so when you pray for me, that gives me spiritual strength. 
empower. And when I pray for you, the same thing. So we need to pray for each other. But it also says pray in the Spirit. And Pastor Mark Geppert did a great job of, of explaining that last week about engaging the Spirit. And if you weren't here, then I would definitely encourage you to look at newlifexn.org, watch that video, because he explains some things that are just very important for us to know about praying in the Spirit. And if you were here, then you, you understand what I'm saying. But since I was a teenager, um, I've had a, a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit. And so in those times when I don't know what to pray, I can just let the Spirit pray in me and through me. And, and that's what Paul was saying. We need to pray in the Spirit at all times because it's a spiritual war. It's not a physical war. And, and again, there are physical wars and there must be physical wars. Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine developed just war theory, which says that when the sin gets so bad out there, sometimes we have to stop it by physical force. And, and that's, that's true. We do. But the reality is we can stop all those physical wars and we still won't win the ultimate war for eternity unless we let Jesus Christ live in our life by his Holy Spirit. So here is the commitment for today. It's very simple but very challenging. I will engage the war God's way this week. I will engage the war God's way this week. So as we do that, the devil is going to retreat. Remember, if we humble ourselves... Draw near to the Lord, resist the devil, he will run. That's what he has to do. So if we're going to engage the war God's way, what does that mean? Spiritual armor, spiritual weapons. That means that whenever the devil lies to us, we will be armed with the truth. And here's the thing. It's like my mother and dad used to always tell me, Chris, if something sounds too good to be true, it is. You know, the devil tells us a lot of stuff It sounds too good to be true. It is. The only thing that sounds too good to be true that isn't too good to be true is the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Everything else, it just isn't as good as you think it's going to be, especially if it promises short-term, wonderful benefit without any work, without any effort, without any energy being expended, without an engagement of our lives, of our work, of the spirit, of the war. And unless those things are happening day by day, week by week, month by month, on and on, till decades, then we're going to lose. Even though God already won for us, we can still lose. That's the sad thing. We have won the war, but we can lose battles every single day when we don't engage the war against the devil in spiritual ways. So if you're still not a follower of Jesus Christ today, if you're not convinced that there is this God who has a son named Jesus, who Jesus came as a human being and lived a perfect life, died, rose again, why not consider this? Everyone, everyone who has lived by that standard, really lived by that standard, has received a life that is, I'm not going to use the word easier because it isn't, and even the word better can have all kinds of different things. But it's a real life. It's a life that makes a difference. It's a life with purpose. It's a life with meaning. And if you don't believe anything, it's just a life of futility. So I would encourage you to say yes to Jesus as Lord, meaning owner of your life. Yes to Jesus as Savior. Yes to Jesus as the general of the army that you want to follow. I guess king would be a better term. Instead of the devil. And... For those of us who have made that commitment, I exhort us to remember this is serious. It's life and death for eternity serious. 
when we wake up in the morning, I hope you already have your armor on, but if you don't, put it back on. Put it back on if you took it off at night. Remember that truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, and salvation are the things that defend us against the lies of the devil, and the sword of the Spirit is what will send him running. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us the ability to win every battle since you've already won the war. I thank you, God, that we have the opportunity today to know how much you love us because of what you've done for us. And I pray that as we go out today, you will, you will show us deeply in our heart, in our soul, in our spirit, in our lives, God, how serious the battle is that we're facing today and tomorrow and every day until Jesus returns. And God, I pray that you will pour out your spirit in a new and powerful way in each and all of us that we might bring you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.